Good to see everyone this morning. It's a joy to be here with you and uh, my wife and I. This is Connie. We appreciate the invitation to come. Uh, as uh, Pastor Mike said, we've known each other many, many years. It was 43 years ago that we graduated. You graduated first and came here, and then I needed one more year uh, to correct all my theology. So it's a joy to be here with you. I appreciate the opportunity to come and to share uh, uh, with you on the subject of faith. That's one of my su favorite subjects. My wife and I uh, have been traveling overseas for the last, oh, 17, 18 years. Uh, we lived in China for 10 years and then relocated to Vancouver, Canada for one year to help with the Chinese church. Uh, then traveled for a year, uh, living out of suitcases, uh, primarily overseas, until uh, 2020 came. And we were in China. I was in China in January of 2020, came back, and then uh, of course, things began to change travel-wise. We were locked down uh, for a period of time, and still the majority of the countries that we travel to uh, have restrictions. And so uh, the only way that we can connect with them and contact them is through uh, different uh, media platforms, which we do. Uh, we have, uh, I have a young man who uh, we've worked with for many years who is now the director of uh, the operations going on in China. He has been working with uh, Chinese uh, pastors and le leaders every day uh, online, meets with them, prays with them, uh, encourages them. And some people do not know the update of what's going on in China, but due to the current administration there, all the churches, including 3Self, which is the government extension, all of them are closed. Uh, none of them are allowed to operate or function. So the majority of people are going back to what they're familiar with, and that is small groups. And uh, they're used to that, so uh, things continue on in that nation. It's not stopping the gospel or not stopping the church from growing or expanding. Uh, so what we do is we're providing resources for them. We have a website called WWWFLP, stands for Faith Library Publications Chinese, uh, which is a free resource. We upload books that have been translated primarily Kenneth E. Hagin books and other books. We just uh, uploaded Pastor, Pastor Kenneth Hagin's book on uh, Jesus, the name above all names. We have 15 titles on that website uh, that are free. They can download. We have an MP3 on healing scriptures, uh, all in Mandarin Chinese. And beginning in January, we're going to upload video teaching by Brother Hagin. We have eight subjects uh, that have been... Uh, worked on to voice over into Mandarin. It takes some time to do that, uh, a lot of time actually. And so we're going to upload one uh, series at a time for the next eight months starting in January. All of that is free. I think over the last three or four months, we've had over 1,500 downloads, uh, which represents multiple other downloads. Uh, usually a person downloads something, and then they share that with multiple people. So we're excited to see that the Word of God is continuing to be spread out uh, we even have received, and this is a miracle, a donation from China, from someone, which is miraculous. But anyway, uh, so the word is going out, and we also have several Chinese churches here in the U.S. that are accessing those resources. So uh, we're continuing to do that, and most recently, uh, you know, the Lord has directed us to uh, help pioneer a church uh, in, in the San Antonio, Texas area. And so we relocated to uh, the San Antonio, Texas area in, uh, in June. Actually, we're a little bit outside of San Antonio. But uh, in praying about this, and we have, you know, we can't travel overseas like we used to, so I'm not one just to sit and do nothing. And so we're going to help pioneer uh, another church that uh, has a local and international emphasis and uh, continue to travel as doors open to us. So that's what we're doing. And we're going to take advantage of our time. The Bible says, occupy till he comes. Amen? So we're going to do that. Well, say this with me. This is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to gripe and grumble and complain. No, I'm going to what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Well, say this with me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's greater than any problem. 
He's greater than any test or trial. He's greater than any challenge of life. And He lives in me. Isn't that good news? You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Think about that. Living on the inside of you. He's living on the inside of you. He goes with you. Hallelujah. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me first to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. This is a faith conference, and I appreciate your pastors so much inviting us to come and to share with you uh, this morning and this evening. So we have two sessions on the subject of faith, so we will identify the most important principles connected to faith in these two sessions. I want to read just a few scriptures before we begin. 1 John 5, 4, and we were here one year ago shoveling snow. Remember that? January, we had some snow on the ground, and I think we had to cancel Monday night's service due to uh, snow. So this is much nicer. We just flew in from Alaska. We were in Alaska for the last uh, uh, seven days, I guess, holding meetings in Alaska. And my wife has this gift of praying for weather. I don't know what happened last year. You missed it somewhere or another. So we were in Alaska, Fairbanks. This is November. It was 43 degrees in, four, in Fairbanks. Now, if you don't know what Fairbanks is normally like, it's not 43 degrees. So we were in Alaska all week, and it was in the 40s and upper 30s, which is remarkable because normally in, in January, this is January, but January is about 50 below in Fairbanks consistently. And so extremely mild, praise the Lord. So we come, come to Omaha, and it was like 70 degrees almost yesterday. What happened? So praise the Lord. We'll take it. Amen. All right, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, you found that? For whosoever, whatsoever, is born of God overcometh what? And this is the victory that overcometh the world, what? Even our faith. The Good News Bible says, because every child of God is able to defeat the world, and we win the victory over the world by means of our faith. So I want to share uh, with you, as I said this morning and this evening, the most important things, two of the most important things in connection with the subject of faith. And I want you to turn with me first here in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. Romans chapter 1, verse 11. Notice here what Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may encourage, be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Notice that. You know, there is a spiritual blessing and strength that comes from sharing our faith or from mingling our faith together, it becomes a corporate faith, not just an individual faith. And so uh, this week, I want us to believe together, agree together for a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence, both in teaching and in revelation, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. Can you do that? So Paul said, he said, I, I long to be with you because there's something about being with you. We are sharing together in our faith. And there's a blessing associated with that. It creates a corporate atmosphere of faith that allows the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself in a greater degree. You know, and I really truly believe this is not my subject, but I believe that we need in the body of Christ, in our local churches, a corporate faith, a resurgence of a corporate faith that allows God to move in a greater way than ever before. We can see that in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. We see corporate faith and manifestation. The building shook. As a result, signs and wonders were done in the streets of Jerusalem. As a result of that, many, many became obedient to the faith, the Bible says. And so there is a, an individual faith. But then, you know, there's, there's times we need to come together 
And that's why I believe, you know, this, this corporate faith in manifestation uh, actually answers the question, do we need to assemble together? Yes. We are missing something when we do not assemble together. There is a corporate manifestation of God's power that is necessary. And many times, things will change in your life, answers will come, you'll receive direction from the Holy Spirit. When we are together in this type of atmosphere, and many times, uh, you know, it just seems like it helps our faith to receive. So we're not saying anything against individual faith. We need to develop that. But there are times we need a corporate faith. And so this is a time we are exercising together. We're believing together for God to manifest Himself in a greater way, to reveal things to us that will encourage us, strengthen us, and help us become a blessing to other people. Hallelujah. So... Uh, we're talking about Bible faith, and of course, we understand what Bible faith is in Romans chapter 4, verse 21. This is Romans chapter 4, verse 21, talking about Abraham. And God uses Abraham as an example of Bible faith, the God kind of faith. And this is the simplest definition. I want to move on to something else, but I want to give this to you first. The simplest definition of faith is being fully persuaded. Everyone say, be fully persuaded. Say, fully persuaded. Again. One more time. To be fully persuaded is to be absolutely convinced. Fully persuaded, notice, that what God had promised, He was able also to perform. That's Bible faith. Being absolutely convinced. Fully persuaded, no doubt, that what God says, either in written form in the Word of God, which is the primary way, or the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit, absolutely convinced, fully persuaded that what God says, He is able to perform. Now that means we're going to have to spend more time looking at what God says, building God's Word into our inner consciousness into our spirit, into our minds, because we are bombarded daily with negative thinking, with thinking that is contrary to the Word of God. And so it takes extra effort and energy for us to focus on God's Word and build that into our spirits and keep that alive and active on the inside of us, fully persuaded. So when any challenge comes into our life, Instead of looking at that challenge, we look at the Word of God, and that Word becomes our source of confidence. Hallelujah. We are fully persuaded. Aren't you glad we can be fully persuaded? That what God says He is able, He is able and willing, not just able, but willing to accomplish in your life. I like what C.S. Newsom said in her book, The Life of Faith. She said, if we rest our faith on things or people that fail us again and again, our faith becomes weak. Faith that rests on what we see or feel or experience will not grow strong. So there is no faith, Bible faith, apart from God's Word. Are you out there? So the first step in developing strong faith is to build God's Word into our spirits. Now, let's look at this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. We all know this scripture. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith, it is what? Impossible. We can stop right there. Without the God kind of faith, without Bible faith, it is impossible to please Him, that is God. For he that comes to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. One translation says, Without faith it is impossible to be well-pleasing to God. So if God demands that we have faith, and He does, but then does not provide an avenue for us to access faith, then God would be unjust. But thank God He provides a way for us to have faith. We know Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And then verse 9, That is not of yourselves, but it is the 
gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And then Romans chapter 12 verse 3 talks about God has dealt or given to every man, that is every believer, the measure of faith. What kind of faith? His faith, the God kind. The only kind or quality of faith that God has. So if you're born again, how many of you are born again? Then you have, right now, you have a measure of God's faith in you. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to fast for it. You don't have to have someone lay hands on you to receive it. If you're born again, you already have a measure of the God kind of faith. Now that ought to excite you right there. You already have a measure of the God kind of faith. Now it's up to us to take that measure. Once God gives us faith, now the responsibility shifts from God to us to develop that faith. Amen. And so God has given to us His Word, His Spirit, that will help us develop our faith, make this faith grow and develop and become strong. Not just for ourselves, that's part of it, but also for us to be able to do what God wants us to do in this life. So we can see that we already have a measure of the God kind of faith. Now, <clears throat> with that in mind, I want to talk about the two most important things uh, that you need to know about faith. Number one is this. And these are things that, you know, over 40-some years now that uh, I've discovered many times because of situations in my life that I didn't listen to God. There's two ways to learn, right? The easy way and the hard way. And sometimes we learn the hard way. But we don't forget those ways, do we? So number one is this, that faith requires action. Faith... The God kind requires action. We could say it this way, faith finds its expression through some form of action. So turn to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. And we'll see here in the 14th chapter, illustrate this. Acts chapter 14. And notice verse 8. And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked, this man heard Paul speaking. This man heard Paul speaking. We know Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes, cometh. We've already been given a measure of the God kind of faith. But we know that faith comes by what? Hearing the Word of God, written and spoken. Hearing the Word of God. The written Word has been given unto us to reveal the living Word. So the written Word is equal to the living Word. Are you listening? Jesus said, The Holy Spirit will take the things that I have, re that I have taught you and He will reveal them unto you. So we can read the Bible without the Holy Spirit, but it becomes simply information. When we read the Bible, with the help of the Holy Spirit, it becomes revelation. It transcends information, and it affects our spirit. So that's the importance of the Holy Spirit working together with us when it comes to understanding the Word of God. So here, this man heard Paul preach the gospel. And notice, this man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently, and seeing that he had what? He had what? Faith for what? He had faith to be healed. Now, at this point in this crippled man's life, is he healed? Huh? No, he's not healed, but he has faith to be healed. Isn't that right? Paul perceived he had faith to be healed, but he's not healed. See, you can have a heart full of faith, and it still will not produce anything for you unless you act. Are you listening? You could hear the gospel concerning Jesus Christ as a sinner and hear the gospel preached concerning the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. But if you never act on that, you're not going to get saved. That's right. I remember uh, years ago, a friend and I, we went through an EE course, Evangelism Explosion. I don't know if anyone here is familiar with that course years ago. 
and we had the little track for spiritual laws, and we'd go and knock on doors, and one of us was assigned to be the spokesperson. The other person was assigned just to be the silent partner, just to be there and pray. So I never forget we had, uh, you know, uh, the gentleman I went with was the, he happened to be the meanest guy in our community. He was, you know, he had a 50s haircut back then. He had a 50s haircut and he had a scar on his forehead, another scar. You know, he got into fights constantly. He was about six foot three or four, big guy. He was my partner. <clears throat> so I'd just knock on the door and step back and let him step up. And they'd say, come on in. So I remember we were in another guy's house that he was friends with, and they were rough guys. So we witnessed to this guy, and he prayed the prayer with us. We left, and we heard a couple of weeks later through another person that this man that we witnessed to said, oh, two preachers came to my house, and they witnessed to me, and I just said that prayer to get them out of the house. I didn't mean it. Well, is he saved? No. No. You can just mouth words. You can just say something. If you don't mean it, if it doesn't come from your heart, your spirit, it's not going to produce anything. Isn't that right? Jesus said, whosoever shall believe in his heart and say, right, with his mouth. So you have to believe in your heart and believe in your words. Well, he didn't believe in his heart and he didn't believe in those words. So he wasn't born again. So here, here's a man who was sitting. He had faith to be healed, but he's not healed. Isn't that right? Now notice what happened. Paul said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now is he healed? <clears throat> now he's healed. So what caused the manifestation of healing? He had a heart of faith, but what caused <clears throat> the manifestation of healing? He had to act on what he believed. He had to act on what is on the inside. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here we see, John Wesley said this, and I like this. He said, the devil has given to the church world something that sounds so much like faith and looks so much like faith that few people can tell the difference. It's called mental assent or mental agreement. Now, John Wesley made that statement after he had an experience with the Moravians who led him into the deeper things of Christ, and many believed that he was born again at that time. And of course, when he returned to England, he began to preach this, and that was not so popular in the church of England. And so they threw him out of the church, and he, he climbed up on the, uh, you know, the head marker tombstone of his father and preached. And so he said, I discovered in the church that was in England that there was a mental agreement or assent that there is a God but they did not act on that. And so it was simply mental assent, not true Bible faith. True Bible faith causes you to act. If you're not acting, it's not faith. It's mental assent. It's mental agreement. So here we can see you can have faith and still not receive unless you act. So faith is not mental agreement. Faith is not even an emotional response to what you feel or see. I remember Brother Hagin said this, you know, he said, I'd get, I'd get healed. He was on the sick bed, you know, paralyzed. And he said, I'd get healed every morning, lose it every night. He said, you know, I'd start praying to God. And I could, you know, when you start praying and worshiping God, God shows up. And he said, I could just sense the presence of God and felt, you know, and say, oh, thank God I'm healed. But by evening, I lost it because my faith was in a sensation or a feeling of God's presence and anointing, not in the Word. Come on now. See, you can go to a meeting, corporate meeting. The presence of God is, is there in manifestation, corporate manifestation. And your faith is in that feeling or sensation you have, not in the Word of God. And you'll leave that meeting not receiving. Our faith has to be established in what God's Word says. Not in what you feel. Not in what you sense. Are you out there? All right, faith is being fully persuaded. Not maybe so. Well, maybe it'll happen. It might happen. No, fully persuaded that what God says is true, both written and spoken. You know, I know uh, 
you know, my grandsons now are 11 and 6. So uh, if I accidentally say I'm going to buy them something, it's too late. I can't even hint. They write it down in their heart. It's etched in stone, right? It's going to take place. You said, right? Papa, you said. Ah, yeah, you're right, I said. They expect me to honor my word. They make plans accordingly. They make plans, you know, I'm going to give them money or I'm going to buy them or take them to their favorite store. They make plans already. They already have the whole thing planned out. They are fully persuaded that what Papa says is going to come to pass. That's because uh, they know me, and if I say something, I'm going to do it for them. So that, that is true Bible faith, is believing and acting on what you believe, that God's, what God says is absolutely true, and that you're going to act on that because of, its, because of God's faithfulness. Now, maybe the issue is we don't know our Heavenly Father like we ought to. Because faith grows out of knowing the character of our Heavenly Father. <clears throat> right? If He's faithful, then you're going to have faith in Him. Now, if you walk up to an ATM machine, you have a card, cash card, and you put that card in there, you can have faith or confidence when you put in the code and the amount. Money's going to come out unless you don't have anything in the bank, then that requires special faith, <laughs> not ordinary faith, right? But people act on that all the time. They put that card in there, and all of a sudden money comes out. Now my grandsons think that's, that's awesome. Piece of plastic, you put it in a machine, money comes out. That's awesome. But you have to put money in, right, to get money back out. We know that. All right, turn to Mark chapter 11. Well, actually, Romans chapter 8 first. So the number one way, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. 10, verse 8. Sorry, guys. Romans chapter 10, verse, verses 8 through 10. The number one way our faith is activated is through the action of confession. Now, of course, you can act physically like this man who was lame, born a cripple. He acted physically. He did something he couldn't do. And that action generated the power of God, just like the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. She was sick 12 years with an issue of blood, and the Bible says was not getting better. She had spent all of her living on doctors and hospitals and medication, but then she heard of Jesus. Hallelujah. She heard about Jesus. And she did something that technically, legally, according to the law, she shouldn't do. She didn't social distance. She should have, according to the law. They could have stoned her for being in public. She was unclean. According to the law, she had to shout out, unclean, so that people would stay away from her. But she didn't do that. She pushed her way through the crowd, right? And said, if I can just touch, she said, continually the Bible said, if I can just touch his clothes, he doesn't even have to lay hands on me, just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Well, when she did that, Jesus sensed in Himself, power came out of Him. So He looked about around who was with Him, and the disciples said, He said, who touched me? And the disciples said, everybody's touching you. But only one person touched Him in faith, because He sensed that power flowing out of Him. And He looked about, around about who it was, and it was a lady, and He said, he said daughter, thy faith. Notice that? He didn't say my power. It was His power. Thy faith, your faith, healed you. It was God's power, but God's power is only activated when you have faith in God's power. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to be activated. Your lamp is not activated unless you plug it into the outlet. Right? And then the switch turns it on. Well, the switch is faith. The switch turns it on. Hallelujah. So her faith, her faith in God, her faith in Jesus, His heal <coughs> healing power caused her to receive. But she had to act. She couldn't sit at home. She had to act. She had to do something. She had to physically go to where Jesus was. 
Hallelujah. Thank God we don't have to do that because we have the Holy Spirit, the power of God living on the inside of us. We have the Word of God. We can receive right where we are right now. <clears throat> so notice here in Romans chapter 10, the first action of your faith took place when you became a believer. So let's look at that. Acts chapter 10, or Romans chapter 10, sorry, Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> and verse 8 says, But what does it say? The Word is near you in your what? In your what? And in your, in your mouth and in your heart. Notice that. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your what? The Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So notice the process. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. There is no salvation without confession. And the action of your faith is your confession. You confess because you believe. Now I say the primary way, because this is the most common way that we release or express our faith in God, is through what we say. What we say. And probably the most difficult thing, or the thing that creates the most difficulty, I should say it that way, in Christians' lives is a double confession. We say one thing, and then we turn around and say something else. Now years ago we used to have, you know, a lot of teaching on confession. We had what we called the confession police. In meetings, they'd come up to you, don't say that. I'm just tickled to death. Don't say that, you're going to die. Right? And maybe they were a little extreme, but you know, on the other hand, on the other hand, it made us conscious of the fact that what we say creates realities. We have to understand this. In God's kingdom, there are spiritual laws that function. In this natural world, we have natural physical laws such as gravity, laws of physics. With gravity, we understand a little bit about that law, and that law will work for anyone, right? Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're educated, uneducated, whether you're old or young, it doesn't matter. It'll work even if you don't understand the principle of gravity. It's going to work. So the same is true in the spiritual world. God has spiritual laws. There's the law of faith. We're talking about that. There's the law of love. There's the law of sowing and reaping. Amen. There's many different laws that are mentioned in the Word of God. There's spiritual laws, and even unsaved people have unconsciously tapped into those laws, not knowing what they're doing, and have received the benefits. There are people who have written books, not even born again, about the power of confession. And they've tapped into, unconsciously, a spiritual law. And as a result of that, it works for them. Now, they may not understand why it works. And there are people who have unconsciously tapped into spiritual laws, and, and they don't even have an awareness of why it worked. But there is a law, and that is the law of the power of the tongue, death and life, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life is in the power of the tongue. There is a spiritual law. It is the action of our faith. It is what we say. So Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23 that whosoever, everybody say whosoever. He didn't say just a believer. Now, let me give you a little background here. Brother Hagin was in a meeting, and he said at the start of every meeting, uh, and, and he would normally teach two times a day in the morning and the evening. For a minimum, he wouldn't go anywhere for less than three weeks. Six days a week, they took one day off. Now, think about that. Three weeks, six days, 18 days. 
He said, normally, we wouldn't have any manifestation, anything supernatural for, until the second or third week. Think about that. Faith comes by hearing. Right? So he said, this is what I would do. I would have everyone come in the morning service up to the front, and I would have them say what they want to receive during this meeting. You have to say it, or it's not going to come to pass. It's not thinking thoughts, it's speaking words that releases the power. Are you listening to me? So he said, say what you want. So he said, I noticed a young man standing there, and he said, I couldn't hear everything everyone was saying. So about three or four days later in the meeting, this young man gave a testimony that he had been diagnosed with an incurable condition, and the doctor said he would not live past a certain age, I think 21 or something like that. And uh, he said, I just want to let everyone know that I'm healed. I went to the doctor. They couldn't find anything. And then he said, I want to get saved. He wasn't even saved. He wasn't even born again. Jesus didn't say, only Christians who say unto this mountain. He said, whosoever. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his what? Heart. But shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith, well, those things which you saith are words, aren't they? Those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he believeth. Nope. He shall have what? Whatsoever he saith. Jesus said, you'll have what you say. Therefore, verse 24, Therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. So notice here, Jesus uses this same principle. Believe in your heart, and believe in your words. Now in that verse, the 23rd verse, He uses the word believe one time, and the word say in one form or another, Three times. That means you'll have to do three more times, focus three more times on this area of confession. Because that's where usually people make a mistake in that area. Not holding fast their confession. Amen. Just like Brother Hagin said, I'd get healed every morning, lose it every night. Oh, I thought I was healed. I, I, I feel sick. I still feel sick. No, we hold fast to that confession. Now, there's something else we're going to look at a little bit later. But you have to understand, you have a part to play, and God has a part to play. Many times, people try to do their part and God's part. Your part's not to bring it to pass. Huh? That's God's part. Your part is to simply believe that you receive. That's it. That's it. It's not your part to bring it to pass. It's God's part. My part is to believe I receive and to hold fast to my confession. God's part is to make it happen. Hallelujah. See, that takes the pressure off of you. I'm not going to produce the healing. You're not going to produce the healing or whatever the, whatever the need is. God is. My part is to agree with God and to say the same thing God says and to hold fast to saying the same thing God says. Hallelujah. Now, very few Christians understand the importance of right confession that our words dominate us. Our words dominate us. Your confession gives you power over demons, over disease, over circumstances. F.F. Bosworth said this, Your success and usefulness in the world will be measured by your confession and your tenacity to hold fast to that confession. This is the good fight of faith that Paul talked about. And this is where the battle is, holding fast to our confession, even when it seems everything in the natural is contradicting what we are saying. Now, I want to read uh, Mark eleven twenty three 23 from Ben Campbell Johnson, Johnson's translation, uh, <clears throat> which gives us a, a clearer picture. This is an accurate 
translation, literal translation of this verse. Mark 11.23, truly anyone who speaks to that mountain, who speaks to that mountain yonder saying, dump yourself in the lake, and does not, now listen, does not become separated from the statement he makes. That's the word doubt. The literal word does not become separated from the statement he makes. That person will actualize his statement. When anyone's expression in prayer is congruent with his inner being, his desire will be actualized. Hallelujah. So really what Jesus is saying, and whoever says or agrees with what God says, says what God says, and does not become separated from that, you'll actualize what you say. You'll have what you say. So the battle, the fight, Paul talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 6, fight the good fight of faith. Here's the fight. The fight is holding fast to our confession in spite of contradictory circumstances. That's the difficult thing. Now, the only way we can do that is to be fully persuaded that what God says is true. Then we can hold fast. Now, you know the story of Abraham, Romans chapter 4, we looked at that. That he was fully persuaded what God said that he was able to do. Abraham was almost a hundred years of age, or a hundred years of age, and Sarah not that far behind him. And I can imagine, you know, getting up every day, he looked at Sarah and thought there's not a lot of encouragement there. And I'm sure Sarah got up and thought, definitely not any encouragement to my faith at all, looking at him. He's a hundred-year-old man. Think about it. He held fast to what God said for years, years, literally, until it came to pass. But it came to pass. See, God called him a father before he was a father. Isn't that right? The Bible said, God who calleth those things which be not as though they were. Some people think that's lying. Well, it's not lying to disagree or lying to agree with God. Right? Matter of fact, there's a story in Numbers chapter 13. We'll use this kind of as a closing illustration. In Numbers chapter 13, you know the story. They sent 12 spies into the promised land. They came back and gave a report. Ten of those spies said, yes, it is a wonderful land. However, there are giants in the land, and we look like grasshoppers in their sight, and so do we in their sight. And there's walled cities. We can't do it. Well, God, prior to them sending them into the promised land, said, I've given you the land. It's yours. Every place, Joshua then later said, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon shall be yours. That means you have to act. If you don't act, it won't become yours. Even though I said it. And so, they created this atmosphere in Israel, and the whole nation began to cry and weep and say, would to God that we stayed in Egypt. Think about that. Under, under slavery. Would to God that we'd have stayed in Egypt. Would to God that we would have died in the wilderness, then come to this place. God said, we can make it happen. <laughs> and ten men persuaded the entire congregation, over two million Jews, those who were of age at least, to disagree with God's word. As a, and as a result, God said, you will have exactly what you say. So the ten got what they said. The nation of Israel got what they said. And Joshua and Caleb got what they said. Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 let's go, to, go up at once right now. We are, they are bread unto us. God has put the fear and the dread of us in them. Let us go up immediately. God is with us. So Joshua and Caleb got what they said. They had to wait 40 years, but they got what they said. Think about that, staying in a church of doubt and unbelief for 40 years, <laughs> holding fast to your confession. That's great faith. Great faith, not changing. pastor alluded to the fact, what Caleb said, there's a mountain, that's my mountain, I'm going to take it. 
He waited 40 years. So everyone got what they said. Isn't that right? So simply, God said, just agree with me, my word, and act on it, and you'll receive. That's what faith is. Faith is just simply being convinced that what God says in His Word is real and true for you. Not for someone else, but for you. And then acting like it's true. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, faith is an act. It's an act. It's an act. If it's not an act, it's just mental assent, mental agreement. So the number one way we act is by what we say. What we say. Now we'll talk about this later. But Brother Hagin talked about the fact that you can literally school yourself into faith. How do you do that? By saying what God's Word says. The first time you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, may not register. You are, but it may not register on your mind and your heart, the revelation of it. But the more, the longer you say it, it'll begin to register. And then it becomes a reality. And then it affects your life. Amen. I remember years ago, uh, my wife and I, when we came back from the mission field, <clears throat> we were living in an apartment and, uh, in uh, Mount Pleasant, and I was traveling a little bit, didn't have that many meetings, and so this apartment was decorated in early 1940s decoration, and uh, we're living in this apartment, it wasn't the best place in the world, but it was a place. So I had an open invitation at a particular small community to preach in their church. Just an open invitation. They didn't have a pastor. And so they said, just come any Sunday. You can preach. So uh, I was scheduled to preach on this particular Sunday. So I got up uh, Sunday morning and I had the symptoms in my body of the flu. And, uh, you know, I thought about driving down to this place, and there's about, you know, a few people there, same people every week. And I thought, nah, I'm just going to lay here. And it's the only meeting I've missed in 43 years. <clears throat> so I laid there. I didn't go. I just gave in. Sometimes you don't want to fight. Now, this wasn't anything major, you understand. But I just, you know, I thought I'm tired, don't want to drive, and I just don't feel like, you know, getting up and getting dressed and Believing God. So I laid there and I, you know, I missed, of course, I didn't go. So the Lord began to deal with me. Well, you look, you look pretty nice laying there. Right? Thinking you believe the Word of God. So, you know, I said, well, I started believing, you know, God for healing. And then the Lord dealt with me. Well, if you're healed, then act like it. Get up. Get dressed. I didn't want to do that. Sometimes we want to be, you know, we want God to sympathize with us a little bit. You know, say like, you know, you poor thing, you. I feel so sorry. I know you've been working so hard, you poor thing. No, He doesn't do that. He gives us His Word, right? Because He wants us to act on that Word. He wants us to experience His life in our physical body. And so eventually I did get up, took a shower, got dressed, and the longer, you know, the more I act... All the symptoms eventually just disappeared. And that's been the way it has been for 43 years. <laughs> I had to act. I don't know how many times I've gotten into the pulpit or have gone to the pulpit with symptoms in my body and I didn't feel like going. But I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved only what, by what I believe. And if I believe, I'm going to act. Right? And when you act, that's when the power comes. That's when the power is manifested, when you act. See, the Holy Spirit only is activated when we act on the Word. He's only activated when we act on God's Word. Are you out there? And the number one way, the number one way to act is by what we say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand up with me. Let's say this. The Bible, says, the Bible says, I'm a child of God. A child of God. The, Bible the Bible says, God has given to me, given to me a, measure a measure of the God kind of faith. Kind of faith. I, have of God's faith in me. I have a measure of God's faith in me. 
That faith can produce everything God says it can produce. I have faith in what God says. When I act on what God says, God's power is manifested. I am a child of God. My faith in God works. I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. Hallelujah. Now hold fast, whatever it is, hold fast to that confession. Don't give up. You know, Paul said in Galatians, he said, Do not be weary in well-doing. In well-doing, that means doing the right things. We can become weary in doing the right things because we don't see immediate results. But he said, if you don't faint, that word means don't give up and quit. You're going to receive a harvest in due season. Hallelujah. In due season. It pays to obey God. To hold fast our confession in spite of what we see and feel. Now you understand, I always encourage people. I mean, if they're, de if they're dealing with something serious, life-threatening, get help. Get help. If your faith is not producing, get help. There's nothing wrong with that. Because God wants to keep you alive long enough that He can get His Word into you. So don't, don't, don't feel condemned if you've had to get help or need help. Don't feel condemned whatsoever. But if you're dealing with something that's not life-threatening, that you've been believing for, let me encourage you. Hold fast. Hold fast to your confession. Build that Word on the inside. Build God's Word on the inside. Meditate. That, that word meditate means to speak to yourself. Find scriptures in the Bible that promise you the things that you're believing for and confess them out loud. Build them into your inner consciousness so that your foundation is strong. So then it doesn't matter what storm comes, your foundation's strong. And when you hold fast saying to what God says, it will come to pass. And I've had to hold fast concerning some things longer than other things. But God's Word is true. Hallelujah. His Word is true. He's not a liar. The devil is a liar. Jesus said there's no truth in Him. He, he was a liar from the beginning. Think about that. There's no truth in Him. But God's Word is truth. And Jesus said if you continue in My Word, you'll know that truth, and that tr truth will make you free. Join hands with the person next to you. Father, we thank You right now for Your presence here. If there's a need that anyone might have right now that they've not prayed about, or even if they've prayed about, doesn't matter. We join our faith, as Paul said, mutual faith together. We join our faith right now for a, a corporate anointing and manifestation of Your presence. So if you've been believing God for something, or you have a problem or a difficulty in your life, whether it be physical, whatever it might be, family, whatever it might be, the Holy Spirit has the answer. And so right now we're going to believe. If you need wisdom, you need direction, you need resources, you have a financial need, you have a physical need, <clears throat> you have a family need right now. We're going to agree together that that need is met right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to believe, not just in your head, in your heart when we're praying. Just like you did when you received Jesus. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together, Jesus said, I'm right there. I'm in your presence. So it's not me that's going to create anything. I can't create anything. It's all of us together that are going to believe God together. If you don't have any need, then you might want to pray for somebody else in, the, in this congregation that you know has a need. Lord, bless them. Heal them. Deliver them. Whatever it might be. So right now, let's agree. Lift your voice to the Lord. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we join hands together in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that this is one body, one church family, many members, but we love one another. We're concerned about one another. Right now, Father, we thank you for your anointing manifesting itself in a corporate way. Oh, Father, we worship you and magnify you and lift you up. 
We thank you for your corporate anointing right now in manifestation. Sickness and pain must go in the name of Jesus. Fear and anxiety and depression must go in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, Father, I thank you for revelation knowledge, a quickening by your spirit, giving direction. Oh, giving insight and answers to every person here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We are your body and you are, you fill your body. You are the fullness that filleth the church, the body of Christ. Right now, your presence is here. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for answers. We thank you for revelation, a quickening by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, right now for healing and health and strength. Ha, ha, hallelujah. Glory, glory. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. <clears throat> Let's lift our hands up right now and worship and praise Him. And thank Him right now that He is. He is merciful. He is gracious. Ha, ha. Hallelujah. He's faithful. Oh, He's faithful to us. So faithful. Lord, you're so faithful. Oh, Lord, we love you and praise you and magnify and glorify. Glorify. Magnify you. Oh, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your glory. Thank you that it's in manifestation right now. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We lift up the name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's worthy to be praised glorified. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, our faith in you and your word works. And we're fully persuaded, fully persuaded there is no God like our God. We're fully persuaded that you are faithful to us. We're fully persuaded and convinced that you will meet every need in our life. We're fully persuaded and convinced, Father, that you will give us answers and direction and we'll walk in the light of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Father, we're fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Your word is true and forever settled in heaven. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We glorify and magnify you. Hallelujah. You're worthy. Worthy of our praise. Worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. He's good. Say this. He's good to me. And His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good to you. Amen? He's good. He's a good Father, a loving Father. Hallelujah. I don't care what kind of disappointment or discouragement you may have had. The Bible said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Right? Not one every ten years. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But... The Lord delivers them out of them all. Hallelujah. <laughs> out of them all. Sometimes we go through some things, right? Like Brother Hagin used to say, I don't know where people, you know, got the idea that they'd just float through life on flowery beds of ease. But the good news is you have the power and the ability to be able to go through anything. And come out on the other side with a testimony. Amen? Like one man said, I've been sick and I've been well and well's better. <laughs> I've been poor and now I have enough and enough is better. Amen? So I don't care what disappointment you may have discovered. Don't let discouragement or disappointment affect you and affect your attitude. Don't let that happen. It can happen. It can happen. We don't always know why things happen. We don't always know everything. And unless the Lord tells you, then you leave it alone. Just let Him deal with it. Just because I've witnessed to people, they didn't get saved, that didn't discourage me from witnessing. Not everyone's going to receive salvation. But I'm not going to get discouraged and disappointed because not every, everyone receives we're going to do what we can do and do our best to help people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, say it again. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's good to me. And His mercy endures forever. Amen, Pastor.
Hallelujah. Wasn't that good? You know, I mean, we've been sitting in pews for 40 years, you know, but I tell you what, it never hurts to hear it again, to be refreshed in the truths of God's Word. Some of you, some of these concepts may be a little bit uh, new. I wouldn't say foreign, but new to you. And so, you know, you'll hear Brother Gary or others, you know, that are making um, um, certain statements and things of that nature, you know, and it's like it, you know, okay, but, you know, or whatever, just hasn't quite resonated with you. And I just like to encourage you, praise God, to stay with it. You know, get, uh, just like he was talking about, Brother Hagin have these meetings for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks, you know, but then he never had any manifestations of the Spirit of God until he had the opportunity to put faith in people's heart. So week two, week three, you know, and different things of that nature. And so you just don't get it right at once. Some of us, we need a good bath, good shower, and get some of the crud knocked off and different things. And, and so stay with it. It's just like, uh, I use this example. Uh, we've got a uh, blacksmith down here just four or five miles away, Mark Murtis. We go down there and he's always, you know, helping us. And we got stuff that's broken or broken or, and, uh, <clears throat> What's amazing to me about this man is, is that you'll go in there and you, you maybe it's something you need fabricated or something you need fixed. But, but the amazing thing about it is, is that he'll say, oh yeah, we can do this and we can do this and we can do the other thing and, you know, and da, 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 da. And, and quite, I mean, it's almost like you could, this guy could close his eyes and do some of this stuff and open, when he'd open them, it'd be about just perfect. You know what I'm saying? In other words, it's become, you know, second nature to him. I mean, this is his business. This is what he does. You know, a lot of us, we'd go in there. We wouldn't even know which end of the hammer to use. You know what I'm saying? And so when it comes to the concepts of faith and understanding how faith works, and when like Brother Gary was talking about, you know, the confession of your mouth, the action, you know, of your life, different things of that nature, some of these things, you know, I mean, they, they're just, we, we, we get it, but we don't get it. That's why I just encourage you, let's stay in this thing, praise God, and let's get all we can get.